Hello, and welcome to The Scoop Podcast. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop, Solutions for the Farmer's Advisor. Today on the podcast, we have joining us Jean Payne, president of IFCA, the Illinois Fertilizer and Chemical Association. Jean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Margie. So it seems like here in 2020, we need to timestamp all of our conversations because things are changing so very fast and new challenges seem to arise. So we are talking on July 20th. And if you could, when you look back at this year, what what have been those challenges in agriculture and specifically ag retail as represented in IFCA's membership? Well, I think uh, based on, let's just start with where Illinois was in 2019. You know, we were one of the states that had late planting. As a result for us, our dicamba cutoff date also got extended into July, and then we ended up being the state that led all states in record numbers of dicamba complaints. So I think as we look to 2020 in Illinois, we had that forefront on our to-do list is to get that number of complaints down, and, and we instituted an earlier cutoff date and kept our fingers crossed that we'd have a normal planting year, right? Of course, that didn't necessarily happen. The weather was fairly normal, but the year wasn't normal. But I would say when you step back now and look at it, what where we were from middle of March to today, and that we've been able to navigate through all the regulatory issues, not just the pandemic shutdown and had that affected all of our retailers, but sticking with some of our original plans for pesticide stewardship, I'd say very successful. And we were able, even with the court case and the throwing out of the dicamba and the cancellation orders, and you can use it, and then you can't use it, now you can use it again, I think we navigated that very effectively, and and I guess I'm proud to tell everybody today, Margie, in Illinois, I think we're going to be less than 100 overall dicamba complaints in the number one soybean-producing state, because as of middle of the week last week, we only had 70. And when you think about us having 700 in 2019, I look at how we've been able to manage through that issue, even though it was a tumultuous one and with all kinds of surprises and challenges, I think that kind of sets a sign that when you stick to your stewardship objectives, you can manage through everything and maybe come out on the right side of it. And so that's one thing that I would highlight that we've dealt with in Illinois and so far, knock on wood, so good. And I think we'll be in a much better place with regard to that particular herbicide technology. Well, as you say, when you when you stick to your plans, and I know IFCA has done a lot of work with the retail industry to help ensure dicamba applications have been successful. Can you provide a little detail about some of the advocacy and reach out re- outreach that you've been doing with applicators? Well, I think because we represent the commercial applicators, and there's a considerable amount of stress on ag retailers when it comes to the management of this product, because a lot of farmers, even who do their own application, did defer to their commercial applicators to apply dicamba because the label is so t- tricky. And I think our retailers have done a, a tremendous job, and they can't control the weather, but I was so proud of them, especially as the court case in California was going on. And we actually had a stop-use order in Illinois. We were one of the few states where our Department of Ag said, look, our use is tied to the registration, so if it's been vacated, you can't use it. And so we that was five days of, of you know some optimum dicamba application conditions. And for the commercial sector, you know, as soon as we got that word out to them from our Department of Ag, our ag retailers quit using dicamba. 
And I think that made me realize that, you know, it would have been so easy, Bargy, for people to say, well, this is a pandemic going on, and by God, we need to do what we have to do. And, and they didn't. They still went back to, though, what is the right thing to do and gave up those five days. Um, granted, we got them back as an extension on our cutoff, went from June 20th to June 25th. The Department of Ag kind of gave us those five days back. But through that all, you know, they really managed that. The retailers did. And I think we were able at IFCA to just get information to them on a timely basis, allow them to make good business decisions, and especially be in concert with our Department of Agriculture because it's so important that your lead regulatory agency has a trust with the industry. And I, I think that's one of the, the highlights of even the pandemic is the, the great communications that we've been able to maintain with our regulatory agencies and then through to our, through our members to communicate exactly what was going on. So we still have some some lingering unknowns about the future of those dicamba products and and implications on seed decisions as another input for 2021. What now? Uh, what should ag retailers be focused on, and and how are you guys as an association helping retailers understand those unknowns? Well, I think the ag retailers always look at the perspective of they, they definitely want products that they feel like they can manage well. And I, I know that the registrants are working on a, on a re-registration label and have told us that they hope to have an answer by the end of August, which I think is prudent because, as you said, Margie, so many farmers are going to look at how their products performed this year. Did they get the weed control? And that's still, we don't have an answer to that question. It's still just middle of July. But you had the Enlist technology out there and the Extend Flex coming. And so there will be options for growers. But the sooner we know the status of the dicamba labels, whether there will be an over-the-top, just a pre-emerge, or whatever additional label requirements they could stick on there, we're really hoping to know that within the next six weeks. I think it's vital. And then retailers and farmers can, can take that information and make the right decisions. And I think it's very important that our industry still have choices and be able to make those choices. So, I mean, I would encourage everybody to just to sit tight. And um, sometimes I wish that we could be in the closed-door discussions between the registrants and US EPA. I wish the applicator community had a little bit of a voice there because we have so much firsthand experience about how this works in the real world. And the applicator is so responsible for these products. I, you know, it always gives me a little bit of trepidation that maybe I don't know what's going on between US EPA and the registrants. I just hope that after three years or four years of use, we can make prudent decisions about what works and what doesn't. Now, you you started to allude to the curveball thrown uh, at toward ag retail and agriculture in general of COVID-19. When you look back on the last five months, what were some of those big curveballs that were thrown our way? Well, I think the, the first thing was really the status of so many of our CDL drivers. I mean, people forget that ag retail is a very regulated part of the industry. Farmers have a lot of exemptions. Ag retailers don't. So we had so many people with expiring hazmat registrations and TWIC cards and CDLs, and they couldn't get their medicals, and there was so much up in the air because the number one thing that was imparted to me with the retailers is that they wanted to be in compliance what do I need to do? My CDL expires in two weeks. The Secretary of State offices are closed. And I think that we navigated through that with the help of our state government very effectively and could assure people right away, 
Yeah, I remember that first week in March, everybody wanted to know if they had to have a placard on their truck saying, I'm exempt from the shutdown, and, and we got right. through, and nobody had to have that, right? And once we were able to get through that, those first three days, if it's going to be okay, go about your business, and while you guys are going about your business, we'll be in the background working with the DOT and the Department of Ag and the EPA and all the people that have to figure out how to keep you guys legal. And honestly, I think that worked extremely well. And people probably don't realize how much went on in, in Zoom calls and, and conference calls with regulatory agencies, but I was very impressed with with the the thoughtfulness of our of our federal and state government with wanting to make sure that agriculture could function and really clearing out what normally would be obstacles just littered with red tape, right? Because we know how hard it is to get an exemption in when things are normal. Um, but they really did take down some of those barriers almost immediately. And every time something new came up, we could just get through to people right away and say, well, okay, what about this? And they'd be, I'd get the answer, oh, my gosh, we hadn't thought about that. All right, I'll get my team together and we'll figure out a way to get you guys through this permit requirement. And I, when you look back, we're very critical of our government sometimes, and, and it's okay to, to be suspicious and, and maybe to be a little critical, but what struck me was how much the people that we've maintained relationships with at those agencies, and I think that's what state associations and national associations really do behind the scenes is we have relationships so that when we need something from the government, they know us, they trust us, they know how to reach us, they know how to get information out through us, and that really shown shown through. And I think that's the value of why you belong to an association is that we're here to do the things that not every individual business can do as an industry, speak for you, and then get through to the right people to make decisions. And I think I'll always remember this is a significant part of, of my career and, and all of our careers of, of how that all managed and how agriculture was able to get a crop in the ground without a lot of deterrence. What do you think will be the the, the long-tail effects of the pandemic on our industry? Well, I do worry about the loss of the personal touch, and I know I miss seeing the IFCA members, you know, canceling the Maggie show. We love, love, love the Maggie show, um, and it was a really hard decision to make, and I sit here even still and wake up and think, wow, we'd normally be a month away from getting really ready for the Maggie show, and we're not going to have Maggie. What a bummer. And I don't know when this ends, Margie. I mean, you know, you can look at some of your winter shows and wonder if those are going to happen. And even if IFCA wanted them to happen, we have members with their own individual policies about travel and social interaction. And so I think it's really up in the air is how soon we're really going to be able to truly deliver some of the services that we have in a in a personal connection way in the way we always have. And that even includes safety training. We've done so many safety training events at IFCA where we have great classroom programs and we're wondering what the future of those are going to be and how do we maintain safety and education, CCA credit, you know, um, CEU opportunities, everybody, the things we all need, and I worry about virtual fatigue, right? I mean, how many of these can you do online before people say, I'm just sick of this? I miss right. being there networking. So I think that's our our biggest challenge to, that we're going to face here in the next six months to a year. And and I my last question, I'm going to end us on a on a positive note, Jean, and that is, 
what opportunities do you see in the near future that, that you think are the most exciting? Well, I do think that the value of agriculture and what we bring to society is has probably has the is it being appreciated more now than it ever has? Because people really do think, how worse could this have all been if the, all the grocery stores would have stayed empty? I mean, gosh, Margie, I mean, we still, people still take that for granted, but I think it gave pause. And I think we have a real opportunity here to to utilize this as an industry and, and talk about our value to society and the fact that we still can do this um, and bring safe uh, products to the marketplace and stick with our stewardship principles but, you know, it's going to be a challenge, but I, I think agriculture is up for that, and I think with the help of our governments we can su- succeed in that. But we do have to, I think, find a way to continue within the fabric of agriculture working together um, in a in a time when we don't get to see each other face-to-face it's very much. And so I, I think there's a great opportunity for the industry as a whole, but I do think we're going to have to try to figure out how to work with each other maybe in a little different manner in a, in a pandemic world. Jean, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. If folks do want to connect with you and IFCA online, Mm -hmm. how can they find you on the Internet or on social media? Well, um, IFCA.com, or I tell you, we're a great Google. If you put Illinois Fertilizer in, we come up. And if you just click about IFCA, you'll see all of our staff and our our remote contacts are there. So reach out to us anytime. We've been able to, as a staff, Um, provide a lot of service, even though some of us work remote from time to time. Excellent. Jean, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights. And everyone, this concludes this episode of the Scoop Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Farmers Advisor. Thank you and have a great day.